Welcome to the Unscripted Health Podcast with Dr. Robert Messer. The Unscripted Health Podcast was created to break through the current life script of false beliefs, lies, and misconceptions about what optimal health is and how to achieve it. Using the long hidden secrets of functional medicine, genetics, alternative health, enzymology, food science, nutrition, energy science, organic process, soil science, and the natural role of movement, Dr. Messer aims to educate and inspire people to live off script so that we may eventually live in a world where disease is rare and living a happy, fulfilled, and energetic lifestyle is the norm. Welcome back to Unscripted Health. This is Dr. Robert Messer. Today we are discussing what is healthy. What is it to be healthy or unhealthy? What's the difference? As we start laying the foundation, building the foundation of unscripted health, allow yourself to notice where we are now. Permit your mind just for a bit to bypass the filters, bias the beliefs of the current script, to take in some novel information that possibly could offer you the chance to shift into higher levels of health. I'll be giving you a background on where we are now, some stats, some health information from the current script that has been literally causing more disease than it has been preventing, which is intentional because if you don't know the truth of unbiased science, how will you know where to aspire to greater options in lifestyle? The media today is often misleading. It's not fake news. It's filtered news. Filtering out information and limiting your information to push you in a specific direction for economic and or political reasons. To make a sale, to support the current script. Of course, there's nothing wrong with someone selling you something. It's the intention behind the sale that matters. I know that some of you are anxious saying, just give us the good stuff. What can I do right now to make changes? If I don't lay the foundation of why we should change the current script and how to change the script, then giving you things to do will simply result in perpetuating the current script. Therefore, nothing will change. So I'm going to lay the foundation for you, and then when you do the things I suggest, you will get the results you desire. I will sprinkle some things to try as we go to give you some actionable steps. First, take the time to realize where you are starting from. That will clarify the reality of the current script as it exists around you, and help motivate you to move towards a functionally healthy and rewarding future, living the unscripted health lifestyle. Okay, let's jump into the topic of what is healthy. Definition, being healthy is the body's ability to adapt congruently and sympathetically, including but not limited to systems epigenetically, physiologically, chemically, neurologically, emotionally, and electromagnetically, to the stressors and stimuli from a specific environment and maintain biodynamic balance within all systems. Let me simplify it. Being healthy is the body's ability to adapt congruently to the environment at the time. This means if the body can't perform daily lifestyle requirements without health, well, that wouldn't be healthy. If symptomatology was ignored and allowed so long that it became extreme to the point that organs had to be removed, well... That's not healthy either, and hasn't been since before symptoms started. Removing the organ is not creating health, just removing damaged tissue and discomfort. And did the organ actually need to be removed? That's a question we need to ask. For the body to adapt, it must function correctly. Being in reasonable shape, having flexibility and energy, high-functioning brain and nervous system, immune systems, kidneys, liver, gastrointestinal, endocrine systems, skeletal, muscles, epigenetics at a level high enough that our bodies can adapt adequately. To obtain higher function requires quality nutrients, enzymes, environment, good foods. The body must have a chance to recover, replace reserves, repair, rest. The body's owner needs to know care basics, just like 
you should know about your car or be willing to pay for more service. What about recruitment? Once recruitment's ability is exceeded, the recruiting of all the body systems, once that's exceeded, symptomatology sets in. Hello, disease. The good thing I like about it is using the example of the car and plane at Always Hopeful Airlines. So the captain comes out and says, oh, good morning, everybody. Just want to let you know the plane is, I think, doing pretty good. We didn't really have the right fuel, so we just put in whatever they had on tap. Don't really have a co-pilot, but one of the stewardesses is taking flying lessons. And I think if it got really bad, they could help her get it down. Outside that, we had to put a little duct tape on a couple of engine parts, and I think they'll hold. And so always, we hope to get you to the other end. Always hopeful airlines. Would this be okay with you? The body, the same way, is kind of, we think it'll stay together. We think it'll function. Um... Hopefully we'll get to A from point A to point B. Being as one is wellness, healthy, all systems functioning as one is what creates health. So where are we today? Well, the current script says individuals who are on multiple medications have had multiple surgeries not related to accidents, obesity, high blood pressure, breathing problems, mood swings, bipolar, depression, anxiety, weakness, neuropathy, heart problems, sleep problems, skin problems, hormone problems, degenerative problems, even arthritis. They are considered healthy based on the viewpoint that their symptomatology is being controlled by the chronic consumption of medication. This is considered healthy because the symptoms are being controlled, even though the systemic problem has not been resolved. And in the long term, because the system problem was never fixed and the medications will ultimately cause or allow progressive degeneration, this will just lead to further chronic disease. Why would you think someone with chronic health issues and someone without health issues are both healthy? America has almost epidemic cancer, neurological disease, obesity, depression, mental disease, heart disease, chronic pain disorders, various other degenerative disorders, yet people go around and announce they are healthy. My question is, healthy compared to what? I think being healthy is one of the greatest misconceptions and dysfunctional perceptions today. My question to everyone is, how can you eat toxic food, take drugs, medications, all of which have side effects, and think it's healthy? How does someone take medication to sleep, to control stress? Diseases, depression, cardiovascular disease, hormones, and think they are healthy. Can a person be healthy and smoke, drink regularly, and have toxic relationships? The answer is simply no. A person can survive and get by, but truly be healthy? Of course not. If we need an example, we can look to our water sources, food sources, air pollution, sick pets, and animals, etc. What about toxic relationships? Intimate relationships. Sometimes you don't need a new partner. You need a new you before you choose another partner. The relationship that turns out to be healthy may turn out to be uncomfortable and or unfamiliar, even though it is better. Non-intimate. These relationships are the same when it comes to the risk of toxic influence. Family, co-workers, friends, etc. These relationships can also be unhealthy if the people involved are not congruent with who you are as a person, which can lead to excessive mental, emotional, and physical stressors. If our trillions of cells do not produce the correct amounts of necessary products, molecules, enzymes, and cofactors for genes to function and respond correctly in our environment, we experience less than an optimal response. We appropriately refer to this as disease. We have failed in delivering the true health message. Or have we? From a consumerism business platform in healthcare, we're doing great. We have more people taking more drugs than ever in history. We consume 89% of the world's drugs, and we only account for 5% of the population. Over 70 cents of every dollar spent on healthcare goes to drug consumption. Better yet, over three quarters sold are not for life-saving or critical care. They are what we call lifestyle drugs. 
which means those drugs are administered for problems that could be corrected if people would just adjust their lifestyle to fit their body's needs, stress tolerance, internal limits, and internal reserves. Drugs cause tremendous deficiencies in nutrients when taken long-term, which leads to a cascade of health problems. People are unaware that nonprofits are filtering money to drug companies and universities, who then collaborate to gain funds for research that assist pharma in finding the next billion-dollar medications or treatments. This is where the charity dollars are going. This money is not being used to search for any cure or answer to eradicating disease. Actually, it is the most profitable pharmaceutical industry-specific protocol to manage the next disease's symptomatology. One of the surprising discoveries for me was to find out how little of the charity funding goes to the non-pharmaceutical treatments or cures. Make sure you ask them how much of the money goes to non-drug cures or solutions. To me, I found it's usually zero. I still remember the almost hostile rhetoric exchange between physicians about cancer awareness movement in 2002 while at an international medical conference in Vancouver for inflammatory diseases, genomics, and chronic disorders. The physicians were upset about the misled and misinformed public in regards to cancer and the differentiation of raising hundreds of millions of dollars for cancer awareness versus cancer cures. As one oncologist stated, we are all aware and have been for over a decade that cancer is an almost epidemic problem. We don't need people to be more aware. They already are aware. We need options, non-pharma and pharma, alternative and traditional. The rising levels of cancer are saying the current approaches in and of themselves aren't working. It's like someone charging me 20 bucks every day to remind me my kids are at school. If the money helped feed them, clothe them, and take care of them, well then we can talk. A serious challenge today is the constant misdirection and lack of truth our body is subjected to daily in our world. Food is not portrayed accurately in quality, nutritional value, or benefits. It doesn't look anything like what it is portrayed in advertising. Fats got the bad rap. Now we actually know we should have kept them instead of taking them out. Sugar's got the green flag. Actually, we increased sugar consumption to replace all the fats. But we've also gone from 10 pounds per year to 158 pounds per year in less than a century. It's created a huge problem. We don't need that much sugar. Processed foods disguised? Organic or non-organic? It's still processed. An interesting one as well is fluoride, which is touted as a perk in dental care products. It's actually a neurotoxin and damages the teeth. What about fats? We have taken so many fats out of the diet that we've actually created neurological problems. Dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, we know it makes it worse. And where did this all start? Well, when the fats were high, we started with statins. Let's talk about statins. Statins have been linked to diabetes. Statins have been shown to decrease brown fat, the good stuff, and increase the onset of diabetes. Do statins help save lives? I say no. This was a myth debunked a decade ago and suggested it actually increases cardiovascular symptoms. The signs of cardiovascular disease dissipate or disappear when lifestyle changes are made, meaning you don't need the drug. Statin drugs also induce skeletal muscle damage, weakness, and pain. I know this is true in my practice, especially of Lipitor. I have people come in when taking Lipitor and they have weakness, so I can't get out of their chair. They feel so weak and they have joint pain. Statins also increase the onset of diabetes in postmenopausal women by 48%. 48%. Statin use has been linked to increased cancer risk. What about statins? What else comes in there? What about low stomach acid? Low stomach acid output symptoms include heartburn, indigestion, bloating, gas, burping, acne, cracking fingernails, chronic intestinal infections like candidiasis. Disorders associated with poor stomach acid output include Addison's disease, asthma, celiac disease, 
autoimmune disorders, diabetes, eczema. What about food allergies? Gastritis, Graves' disease, hepatitis, lupus, psoriasis, anemia, thyrotoxis, changes in skin color, vitiligo, colitis, hair loss, multiple sclerosis, and even rheumatoid arthritis, just from having poor stomach acid output, which leads us to proton pump inhibitors, PPIs. They ultimately make deficiencies worse, causing metabolic acidosis, deficiency in minerals, vitamin C, D, B, magnesium. These deficiencies result in conditions, part of like we already discussed, asthma, dizziness, dry mouth, dry eyes, dementia, sleep problems, muscle cramps, rashes, and kidney problems. Considering the list of disorders I just mentioned, not everyone will express the same disorder given the same deeper cause. People are different. Therefore, they will experience different symptoms, disorders, and diseases, but yet from the same cause. We are so diverse as people, which is so amazingly wonderful to have this wide range of flavor and expression amongst individuals. And yet, for financial and regulatory reasons, we attempt to entrain everyone to be the same. Eat the same foods, exercise the same way, live the same way, etc. It's normal for us to develop patterns and habits that support positive environment and lifestyle, but that really cannot be healthfully established for all people in the same way. We are not the same. We need our own health script. Everyone cannot eat the same things, drink the same things or the same amounts, exercise the same way or as long, rest the same amount, handle the same levels of emotional, mental, or physical stress in the same manner, nor endure the same environments equally. Yet instead of striving for optimum function, performance, and expression, we expect to regimate people into identical diagnostic protocols and treatment methodologies, focusing on comfort versus function. Old traditions, false beliefs, lies, distractions, and dogma have created unimaginable healthcare costs because the wrong approach and the inappropriate testing just creates extra unnecessary costs. Prescription addicts saying, I want the drug, not a lifestyle change. We practically need to add a prescription rehab to the standard protocol where I bring in my 60-day rule. Poor outcomes, addictions, poor quality of life, ongoing sickness, ever-growing population of uninsured people. And marketing is amazingly deceptive, capitalizing on the illusion that many of us have been entrained with, which is that happiness, health, self-worth, acceptance, and success are primarily achieved from the outside sources, an unhealthy stress producer. Success is stuff, humongous amounts of stuff, which is actually unhealthy. We make the world it does not make us. We come into the world initially alone, with nothing, no peripheral possessions, and when our life story is done, we will leave the same way, alone, taking nothing with us except experiences, memories, and connections. Priceless. One disease, one pill. Today, the old current script results in 10 diagnosed disorders with 10 to 12 medications, resulting in a flood of side effects, secondary disorders, and 300,000 plus deaths per year. Is traditional medicine the cornerstone of healthcare? No, absolutely not. It has been proven that the United States is number 38th among other developed nations when it comes to medical outcomes, essentially putting us at the bottom. Standard medical practitioners make poor gatekeepers of health. They are not changing the processes or protocols by stopping wasteful tests, surgeries, and unnecessary prescriptions. Instead, they are cutting staff, patient practitioner time is cut, and wages are cut, while continuing to use symptom-driven crisis care protocols. The current script does not fit the current requirements of chronic disease. When people go to these expensive hospitals and clinics, do they get the right tests done? Usually not. Is anyone with broad-based functional health skills looking at them? Usually no, which is why they end up coming to me later. 
How can you get coached to be healthy when no one is checking the all and or most major systems in the first place? The current script is failing people miserably. Why does America have the highest work hours in progressive countries? Do we get more done? No. What about the benefits? Who benefits? Does the loss of balance in life justify a few extra bucks? Is this healthy? So now that I've just gone over what the current script says, and many places it can be found, let's talk about what is possible when it comes to living off script and what it could mean for you and your overall health. So now I'm going to talk about some of the basic concepts you need to know to live off script. Survival mode is epigenetically suppressing. Play is epigenetically energizing. It's easy to hurt someone, but it takes a master to heal someone. What about preventative versus survival? People are also dealing with the side effects of what our culture, country, and parents have done to inadvertently entrain us to be in a survival mode, which is something considerably challenging that I help people with every day. We can't fight and learn at the same time, and we don't fight and survive and heal at the same time. That's not the way the body works. So what we need to do is transition to a preventative lifestyle, a lifestyle that creates congruency within ourselves, thus creating an environment that is also congruent with who we are and is focused on preventing disease. Healing equals healthy. You know when you're in a survival mode because you don't make use of the time to correct the problem. You're just trying to survive. We are a predatory, consumer-focused, throwaway society. Constantly throwing away friends, people, kids, animals, toys, loves, connections, health, relationship opportunities, work opportunities, growing and learning opportunities, even our own identity and soul. The preventative alternative is to focus on recycling, repairing, and nurturing our environment in a way that encourages connections, growth, and learning opportunities. What we don't consume, we attack, dismantle, and destroy. This is done because we're trying to remake an environment that isn't congruent with our desired outcomes. So instead, we should only consume what we need, and we should carefully choose which environment we engage in. The genes are not dictating our life. We are making the choices, and the genes are attempting to give us the best expression possible within the situations we have put them in and the amount of support we have given them. To alleviate this, we should put the genes in an environment with the most positive opportunities. We'll definitely go more into the genes in a future episode, the genetics thing. So play often with purpose, being in the zone. What about inside out? There is a near lethal virus-like infiltration of our beliefs, thoughts, dreams, and connections, which suggests that a good life will mostly come from outside sources. This will then help us experience the fulfillment, joy, and happiness internally. Which isn't true. Does this make sense? Marketing says if you buy enough stuff, you'll finally be happy. We don't get health, we create it from the inside out, through congruent interaction of all systems with our environment. No matter how many pleasurable conference power, money, and manipulation of others is achieved in our circle, we will never be content if we fail to acknowledge what we really seek, desire, and need is that dream life, which is an unscripted lifestyle, which starts from the inside. We don't get energy from somewhere outside, we generate it from the inside. We don't get happiness, we generate it from the inside. So since we were just talking about the inside out, what about the cause of disease? So when we think about health, let's same thing, think about where it starts. So that means from the inside out. So that means let's shift how we think about disease and being unhealthy from the cause. Shift to an origin cause, which is from the inside. Multifactorial, many systems, versus just a symptoms diagnosis and single system specialty focus. The old script does not address our current health challenges. 
One of the most apparent reasons is continued attachment to the old infectious model protocols still used by medicine, which implies that we find the specific intruder, bacteria, virus, bug, and give that person a medicine to remove or destroy it, and voila, the patient gets well. This worked very well in the age of infections and antibiotics. In fact, it still works very well today for a limited number of disorders. But the shift in the last 40 years into a society plagued by chronic disease has left the old medical model obsolete for the most part. Today, people don't come in with one primary complaint or issue, but rather five plus on average. Chronic disease, it's not based on external intruders or bugs coming from the outside, but rather a breakdown in the function of multiple systems and internal synergy resulting in a diverse and sometimes complex set of systems, which is rarely, if ever, addressed by specialized medicine, and it comes from the inside. Living off script is checking the primary systems as a whole and supporting their function, intervening when necessary to increase and maintain function of internal and external environments. Even if critical care is required for problems left unaddressed, removing the symptom or crisis has not created help. That will be done by restoring functional wellness to the primary systems, body as a whole unit. Some of the healthiest people I have ever had the pleasure to know were previously the sickest. These people experience significant illnesses and near loss of life, and as a result, they intentionally, purposely, and passionately change their lifestyle in every possible way, internally and externally, to live every moment with the best of intentions, clarity, and awareness. For these people to aspire to higher levels of health required something key, willingness. They risked all of their patterns, habits, and beliefs to support and maintain their best lifestyle in spite of society's whims and empty promises. They learned to live every day like it was their last, live their way, expressing the deepest love, appreciation, and gratitude in their environment, appreciating every moment. They simply chose to live versus just survive. Which brings me to an example of CPT. We'll call her Pat. Pat came into my office, and I, when I saw her, she was just striking. Uh, she had actually been a previous model, and she was a mom, three right now. And she came in and she said, hey, I have this problem I wonder if you can help me with. And I said, well, what's going on? She goes, well, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer, and they told me to get my things in order, and I have about 18 months. And she says, I just want to know, what can I do if I only have 18 months? I want to make them count. So what do I need to do to bring out the best? And so we had this discussion about willingness. I said, well, first of all, there's things we will implement, but I need you to be willing to do whatever is necessary to remove the negative stressors in your life and lifestyle whether that be family, friends, whether that be the way you eat, the way you drink, whatever that might be, we need to change them. She goes, at this point, you name it, I'll do it. The interesting thing was about her, when you first saw her, no one would have ever guessed she was even sick. You look on the outside only and look like, what's wrong with that woman? But yet she was given 18 months to live. Well, Pat went through her life and changed everything possible. She removed her sister from her environment for a while until they could come to more positive terms. She changed her work. She changed her home. She changed her diet. She literally looked and changed everything she could in her life. She said, whatever it is, I want to be here. So I told her if it means changing your relationships, if it means getting a divorce, and with her husband sitting there with her hearing this, the ultimate thing is for Pat is later she probably has the best marriage she's ever had. She finally is, yes, three years later, talking to her sister and getting along, and her life has changed. Now we're talking nine years post-diagnosis, and Pat is still here. Her cancer numbers are negative. She's been 
through a life change that most would not even thought possible. Well, she's done all these things and come out positive on the other end, better in all ways. And then we had that little discussion. She goes, well, I was willing to give up everything. But she goes, I really didn't have to, did I? And I said, well, the body's pretty smart. The body and mind will never ask you to give up something that is positive for its health, well-being, or future growth and happiness. That is against its innate programming. So no, we just had to get rid of the junk. Speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about the 13 primary systems. Because all systems have to work together as one to create health, as we mentioned earlier. Did you know there was even 13 primary systems? If we want to be healthy, you at least need to know what these systems need for support. So let's go through them. Let's start with number one, the brain and nervous system. It requires healthy fats, enzymes, minerals, low sugar, and quiet. It needs peace. The chaos, the brain is working 24-7. It needs times when we can lower the chaos. Number two is genetic and epigenetics. They require nutrients, minerals, low inflammation, regular engagement in non-threatening environment. These puppies need nutrients, minerals, low inflammation, regular engagement in a non-threatening environment. They need to be busy. That's what actually helps them. That's what they thrive on. Number three, the immune system and GALT, gut-associated lymphoid tissue. That's the main part of the immune system in our abdominal area. Sometimes people ask me, why, why is the immune system there anyway? That's the only place there's room. Plus, in the body, it's one of the most important areas because it's an area where we can get things that go from the outside in, we ingest them, and they could pass through into the body, the inside, systemically. So it's a great place for the immune system to protect us. They require low negative stress. Stress alters the gut function. If you get highly stressed, digestion and that processes and the immune process significantly go down. They also need sleep. At night is one of the times they heal and repair. And they need clean foods and nutrients. Number four, the digestive system. Mouth to anus, unprocessed food, live food, enzymes, low stress environment. It requires all of those. It's like feeding a car. I mean, why would you put 85 octane in a race car, right? Why would we put anything other than the best of foods possible into the digestive system? Number five is the muscular system. It includes vascularity because blood vessels are muscles. We need movement. We need challenge, exercise. We need proteins, minerals, and they need recovery. What about the skeletal system? Bones, joints, connective tissue? Did everybody think about the structure and function? It's known that how well our structure works, our skeletal system also affects how our internal function works, and also it affects our moods, thoughts, and other processes. So they need nutrients, proteins, minerals, and enzymes. And good posture. Posture affects the skeletal system. Well, at endocrine 7. The endocrine 7, as I put it, is the endocrine system. It includes the hypothalamus in the midbrain, pituitary, adrenal glands, and the adipocytes. Yes, fat. It's a hormone system. Adipocytes release hormones. The thyroid, the gastrointestinal system, the microbiome, as some of you have heard, and the gonadal system plays a part, but is also separate. We'll see it below in the list. This is important for the endocrine system because it's affected by mindset. It needs low negative stress, it needs nutrients, it needs exercise, it needs sleep, and it needs low inflammatory foods. Remember, the endocrine system, the hormone system, they're managers. So these, we need to take care of these. They have systemic effects. What about the respiratory system? Lungs and cellular respiration. Breathing exercises, exercise, minerals, pH balance. 
Some of you know that if the pH of the minerals get off, we create something like an anion gap or a poor transfer of CO2. So what does that mean, essentially? Well, it means when that's out of balance, the symptoms you have are not pain. It's something as simple as you're short of breath. They also need a low toxic environment, and we need good circulation. The renal urinary system, kidneys, hydration, and eliminating diuretics is important for them. They need a low chemical environment. They need minerals, enzymes, circulation, low sugar. Number 10, integumentary, skin. Largest organ in the body. Needs hydration, needs fatty acids. Lymphatic and liver function, proteins, probiotics, low chemical exposure, B vitamins and C minerals. The skin is interesting. Being a large organ, it absorbs fats. So I tell women, because they usually take better care of their skin than the average male, but they tend to use a lot of lotions, which is great. But remember, when you're putting lotions, oils on your skin, you have to count that as part of the fat that you ingest in a day. It counts. Next is gonadal systems. They require fatty acids, proteins, a low inflammatory diet, minerals, movement, and probiotics. Very important here to talk about one of the number one causes of ovarian cysts, fibrocystic breast, and endometriosis in women. When I said low inflammatory diet, that means low inflammatory foods. One of these is caffeine. High amounts of caffeine, we know, increases the risk of ovarian cysts, fibrocystic breast, and endometriosis. We need some moderation in those areas. Next is cardiovascular system. Exercise, minerals, again, proteins, fatty acids, low sugar, quiet, low negative stress. Why about quiet? The cardiovascular system responds very quickly to threats, chaos, noise. It's one of, part of our fight or flight system. So it actually needs some time, some peace, some quiet helps it function better. What about lymphatics? Lymphatics is next. It's last on the list. It follows vascularity. The lymph system follows all of our vascularity. And it's also linked to the GALT. Gut-associated lymphoid tissue is part of the lymph system. It's part of our immune system. Exercise, sweating, great for the lymphatic system. Fatty acids, enzymes, minerals, and hydration. You'll find it interesting how many things are on this list of all these 13 and how many times I mentioned enzymes and minerals. Just as a note, where do they come from? The primary foods those come from are plant foods, things that are grown out of the ground. So that means living foods. All your fruits and plants, veggies, they contain the minerals, the buffers, and they also include the enzymes, living enzymes. Remember, everything that happens in these system affects and is affected by genetics. And we'll explain this more in our genetics episode. Here's a quote by Albert Einstein that I thought was relevant. A human being is part of the whole, called by us the universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings, as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. We want to chase life. We will never have enough if we prioritize our focus on acquisition. It will drain our energy, resources, spirit, and life force to the point of exhaustion. It misdirects our energy, our awareness in creation. Life begets life, dead begets death. Engage positive people, animals, and environments. Go get it. We want to be expressively giving. To acquire is the act of taking, not giving. We were designed to be philanthropic, to perpetuate the movement of opportunity and challenge. 
Have you considered the consequences of limiting your genetic expression to focusing on the processes and habits of taking and defending, aka survival? When we give, it moves energy and starts a perpetuating cycle, which then moves energy back to us, which acts as a generator within us, increasing output, thus increasing return. This cycle doesn't work if you live in an environment of takers, or the wrong environment for you, the current old script. It works exceptionally well when you get off script. So to recap, what is healthy? It's your body's ability to adapt to your chosen environment and related stressors. Your lifestyle is your health. Your chosen environment creates your lifestyle. Therefore, your health is your lifestyle. Now that we've gone over where we are and where we want to be, let's talk about how we can get there. First, by being proactive. We will not cure disease by addressing it with drugs and surgeries. This end product of disease processes occurs because of poor choices, poor diet, toxic environment, emotional or belief dysfunction, and excessive stressors. Proactively, get off script and choose to build the appropriate environment for you. Next, replacing the ineffective and keeping the good. Doesn't matter what it is, fix it, or if unrepairable, replace it. We should be chasing and seeking consistent functional health diagnostics of all primary systems, allowing us to discover the cause of dysfunction among diverse groups of individuals. This allows us to create customized treatment methodologies that provide solutions to disease and the metrics that demonstrate consistent outcomes to teach future physicians. The old script and approach have proven ineffective for almost 40 years. It's time for a new script. We all make health mistakes, functional, physiological, emotional, and immunological. The question is, will we survive them? It will take more, much more. I tell clients that drugs and surgeries for non-traumatic causes may not be a cure, but they may help you survive and buy you the time necessary to address the real causes of your health challenges. So in this area, make good use of the time. What about willingness to be positively uncomfortable? If you are always comfortable, most likely nothing has changed. We need to be willing to do the things in our health that are sometimes a little uncomfortable, only because they're different. Start with moderation. One piece a day changes a diet. What does that mean? I tell people if you say, I hate veggies, I'm just saying, one piece a day of a different veggie every day, eat it. Eat your broccoli, eat your Brussels sprouts, eat a carrot. Just one piece a day will actually change your diet and your taste. Eliminate the addictions. Previously, I talked about the 60-day rule. If you're not addicted to some drug, substance, or food, then totally drop it for 60 days. It's easy, right? Believe me, the results will reveal a lot. And the 90-day principle. Most people need to understand we need to do something consistently for 90 days before the body will start to accept it as the new mode, the new method of how it's going to respond. We need consistency, congruency. The next is environment and mindset. If we want to see things be different, we need to change the environment and shift the mindset. An environment is everything outside of us. If the, the only thing in your environment is fast food, well, we need a different environment. What about cleaning house? This is important. How do we get off script? One of the fastest ways is cleaning house. Check the food, health practices, relationships, friends, movement, thinking, and mindset. We need to clean house. We need to remove what is ineffective and keep what is good. When your biological, biochemical, 
physiological, and energetic reactions function properly and are aligned with your chosen environment, your body adapts in ways necessary to allow optimal function. Optimal information intake, genetic expression, and reactions to maximize optimal experiences, happiness, adaptive health, and memory. When we recap those, let's talk about being proactive, replacing the ineffective, and keeping the good. When we are dealing with our health, we want to seek consistent functional health diagnostics of all systems. We're looking for function, not symptomatology. We want to improve our function, allowing us to discover the cause of dysfunction amongst the diverse group of individuals. We want to limit our health mistakes, minimize them. We want to limit our drugs and our surgeries for non-traumatic causes. We want to be willing Willingness to be positively uncomfortable, which is simply saying willingness to make changes, the changes that are best for us and our health. Start with moderation. Little things is little steps, one by one a day. We want to eliminate the addictions for at least 60 days. We want to shift our environment and our mindset to something that's more preventative and proactive, therefore aspiring to higher levels of function and health. Thank you for listening to episode two of the Unscripted Health Podcast with Dr. Robert Messer. We will see you next time in episode three. Be sure to check out Dr. Messer on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for updates on upcoming episodes as well as additional information. See you next time.